is amazing. Don't misquote me. Anyway, are we ready to go? Let's have a look. No, wrong way. You take it back to the first slide, guys. Thank you. Yeah, they'll work it out. The dig deep one. Well, this morning's message, which is about to come up any moment, <laughs> we're having technical difficulties, is called Dig Deep, Dig Well. And, uh, you know, this is a really bad pun. Sorry. Dig deep, dig well. It's, it's not funny, but it is punny. And um, it's um, almost as bad as the latest joke I was telling the other night, which is this. Why are ants so healthy? Because they have little antibodies. Oh, dear, dear me. All right. <laughs> well, you know, folks, times change. Circumstances vary. And you know what? Relationships have ups and downs on earth, don't you reckon? But our God is always the same. And that sort of come out through the worship and already the testimony this morning. And, you know, we can live with consistency and a steady heart even though we aren't God. And we're actually sometimes guilty of being quite changeable or fickle as well. And you might be saying, well, how can you keep such an even keel in tumultuous times, like some of those things that Jane was sharing about or even some of the minor catastrophes you might have already had this morning before you arrived here, batteries, you know, whatever it is. How can we keep an even course in tumultuous times? Well, I'd like to challenge us that it all is linked to our drive to survive. Turn to the next someone, someone next to you and say, how's your drive to survive? Yeah. Yes, it's a deep drive, yeah. Now, our drive to survive setbacks, adversity, maybe boredom, whatever it is that's troubling you at the moment, is actually linked to the well that we have already dug in our hearts and in our lives. This reservoir that is inside of us that God's Holy Spirit is able to move in. And, you know, it's not a one-time event but it's actually something that needs to occur regularly, if not daily. And, you know, while receiving help or encouragement from others is fantastic, or doing those things that really energise you, I don't know if you like to garden or paint or fish or shoot or whatever, those things are great. But let's not forget that nothing is better than the Lord himself being the one who fills us and energises us when we spend time in his presence. And, you know, disciples of Christ, we've talked about this a lot at church, we actually dig personal wells through disciplines, disciplines like prayer and worship and reading our Bible and rocking up to church is always a great start. Everyone go, tick, tick. Very good. You're not off the hook yet, though. <laughs> Can I share with you something exciting? I felt God speak to me the other day with this phrase, which was that God was doing something new in me because I was beginning to delight in his disciplines. And, and that's an amazing concept because what would happen in our lives if we just didn't get up um, in the morning and read our Bible as a chore or we just didn't, you know, rock up with a bad attitude to church, which I'm sure none of you are doing. You all look beautiful this morning and you're glowing and you all look good. Um, and I know your hearts are right. 
what would actually happen if we began to delight in what previously were disciplines? And um, I really pray that I continue to be in that sweet spot and you can pray for me and I hope that you guys are on that journey too where you can see growth, where what may have been hard to lay aside or give up or to start some activity that God's been calling you to maybe leave that behind and get more into this. I pray for you too that eventually, if not immediately, that you will delight in those things that previously may have been a drudgery or a discipline. And to echo Psalm 40 verse 8, to delight to do your will, my God, and your instruction. I delight to do your will, my God, and your instruction is deep within me. We need to dig deep and dig well. You know, to be found in the presence of God is a beautiful and powerful thing. And let's always be willing to be found in his presence more and more. We sensed his presence this morning. That's fantastic. But it doesn't have to be confined to church. You can have that moment when you grab the dog on your lunch break, break and go for a walk and walk and talk to God. You know, in your car, You've got those few minutes in between ballet and speech or whatever it is that you're doing in your day um, and you can actually put on a worship song or get out the word for today, whatever it is, and you can actually connect with him. But let me explain something about God's presence which may actually help you and uh, there's two ways that the presence of God is explained or detailed in the Bible. Firstly, there's his omnipresence. You know, and that is where the presence of God is everywhere at the same time. And by definition, God wouldn't really be God if he couldn't be everywhere at the same time. And he's also omniscient, he's all-seeing, he's omnipotent, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's ever-present everywhere. And you know, that was why I wanted the team to do the song this morning and thanks for that, it was great. Actually, all the music rocked. Let's give the creative team a hand. Welcome, James. James' debut, stage debut, although we do see him a lot here and at INC for youth, so it seemed very natural to see him up there, so it was great to have you. But that song, even when we don't feel it, he's working. Even when we don't see it, he's working. He never stops working. He's a way maker. And that is because it's who he is. He is present, and just because he's present for Sharon doesn't mean that that takes anything away from Troy or myself. He is present and real in the moment that we need him in and even the ones we think we don't need him in for each and every one in this room. And I love Psalm 139, verse 7 to 12, and this is in the NIV. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. What a powerful piece of scripture. And, you know, I had an experience at State Conference about 10 years ago where I was really grappling with something. I was grieving about something, grappling with it. And I actually sat down before worship had finished. Say, bad pastor, bad pastor. Anyway, I sat down. It was okay because I was talking to God about it. 
And, you know, I had this really clear impression of God say to me, not in an audible voice, but I just sensed it. And he said to me, you can run, but you can't hide. <laughs> okay. And then really clearly that passage that I just read to you came to mind. And I picked up my Bible to check, you know, in print that what I'd heard was the same as in print. And I was going through this feeling quite amazed. And at that moment, worship finished. And the service leader, like Jane, the MC, got up. I think it was Darlene Check at the time. And guess which passage of scripture she recited off the top of her head? That same passage. And I thought, thank you, Lord. <laughs> I know you're teaching me your omnipresence that you hear. And I, I wasn't feeling anything. I wasn't feeling the love. That, you know, I wasn't feeling anything. It, it was sort of in my head, but I knew that God had my number and that he is real in those situations, even if we're not feeling it, even if we don't see it, he is there. So I thank God for his omnipresence. But the Bible, thank, the, thank goodness, also talks about his manifest presence, which would be the next one, I believe. Oh, what have I done? It's back. And, you know, this is where he is able to cross over to our senses. So we do feel things sometimes. And it says in John 14, 21, those who accept my commandments and, and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them and I will love them and reveal or might manifest myself to each of them. And this is where God will have those moments. It's maybe not 24-7, but he does make himself real to our senses from time to time. He brings revelation from the unseen into the seen realm. Things that we previously haven't, um, haven't been heard, we can suddenly hear. Things that we didn't know or before that were unknown, suddenly we know it and it crosses over and we might actually experience it in a way that isn't just a head knowledge. And, you know, it's a very real part of Christianity. And I think Ray was referring to last week about how sometimes we can criticise each other as churches, you know, you're too head knowledge or you're too emotional and we don't need any of that rubbish because we worship God in spirit and in truth. We need both. We need it in our head we need it in our hearts and there are times, it's not dead, it didn't die out in the book of Acts, where we do actually experience God's manifest presence as well. And it's okay if we don't all the time, that's when our faith in his omnipresence kicks in. That's okay, doesn't matter if I'm not feeling it today, but there are definitely times in our lives where we do experience his manifest presence. And, you know, I know recently we did um, the Acts series, Action, and we talked about how Paul had an amazing, the Apostle Paul, sensory experience where firstly he heard the voice from heaven and the blinding light. Then it cut across his physical senses and he was actually blinded. So then that all could be in his headspace, the only thing that he could see for those days before he was miraculously healed was God's things in his heart and mind. And, you know, so that's exciting. But for us, it, it may not be something that dramatic. It doesn't have to be. It's just that quiet sense of peace that can descend. And you weren't feeling peaceful before. You might have walked in feeling anxious, but you just experienced that peace in your, emotional, um, in your emotional being. But anyway, back to the main game. 
One of the things we talk about here at NCF a lot is taking responsibility for digging our own personal wells of discipleship. Because, you know, I can lead by example, you know, your connect leader can put some great material for you, uh, together for you, you know, like I Declare War, the pop-up connect that's going great at We War and Capitar Road. You know, all of that's fantastic, but ultimately we individually have to take responsibility for that for ourselves as well. And, um, you know, I know that many of you have properties that have just actually even recently had to sink bores again because of the drought we're in. And it's important that those bores are located in the right place and at the right depth. We actually can't just create any hole, you know, I think to fill it with stuff. It actually has to be the right ones. We have to dig deep and dig well. And uh, I've got some questions for you here, theoretically. Uh, the one, did you get the little pinky one, boys? You want me to go back? No, oh, it must have disappeared. Oh, don't worry about it. I'll just read it out to you. Um, we'll get to that in a moment. Just that can intrigue you. So I've got some questions about your personal well this morning. What is your source and supply? Are you running on fuel or fumes? And is what powers you the real thing or flawed. And, you know, I won't mention anyone in the room that actually put diesel in their non-diesel-friendly engine the other day. No, we won't look at that, that direction at all. <laughs> and, you know, it's a real pain when you actually put the wrong substance in your tank. You know, like it can be expensive and it's really not going to get you where you need to go. And, you know, the Old Testament speaks about this issue specifically. And God himself uses a term or a metaphor um, to warn us of relying on the wrong mechanisms to fuel our lives with. And the word the Bible talks about, or the phrase, is cracked cisterns. And no, I'm not a crackpot. It actually is in there. It's in Jeremiah 2.13. This is what it says. For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the living fountain of water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. And you think, well, what is a cracked cistern? You can go back to the pic. Thanks, guys. Uh, you know, in Bible lands, a cistern was an artificial reservoir which was dug mostly in the rock, but sometimes in hard earth. So they could try to um, store any water that may come. They didn't actually have a lot of rainfall and they didn't have a lot of underground springs, so they had to dig these. It's just like a well or a bore that we would put in. And, you know, they were so important because if you don't have water, you don't have life. And, you know, a, a broken cistern was practically worthless because if the rock was cracked, you know, that you did a bad job of it or you put it in the wrong spot or the masonry, like if they'd, like they'd actually built it in, was crumbling, it actually wouldn't capture um, very much water and the water that it did capture would be dirty and foul and not helpful at all. And, you know, collecting and storing water in a broken cistern was about as smart as carrying a sieve for your drink bottle or your canteen. That's about how smart it was. You know, and this illustration that Jeremiah uses was not thought up as a great sermon filler by him. It was actually a phrase that God gave him the prophet to speak to his people about. It actually came and originated from God. And he actually is rebuking his people for no longer totally being committed to him. 
And you see, Jeremiah preached and lived in the day when the people of Judah, which was the southern portion of Israel, they had turned away from the living God to, the, to do their own thing. And they were God's special, special people, peculiar people, the old King James says. Purposed people who were meant to be living differently than all the nations around them. And, you know, they'd gone through this patch where they got complacent. Maybe they got familiar with this blessing they had of knowing the one true God. But they actually stopped depending on him to meet their spiritual needs. And uh, they, they needed correction because they had gone away from the fountain of living water. And they were looking for other things to quench their thirst with. And, you know, they dug cisterns of um, idolatry or immorality. Whatever it was, they turned their backs on God. And, you know, the thing is, the people of Judah, you know, when they started making their own cisterns, they were really, really, really dumb because this is what I think of. Who's seen some of the old films like with Sir Lawrence Olivier? Does that sound right? You know, in the desert and, you know, they're lost and they run out of water and they... They're crawling through, you know, and they finally find, find the, the, um, the fountain. And it's not an oasis, it's actually real, like it is, a, you know what I mean? And then imagine you just get to that point, you're, you're about half starved, you know, your eyelids are like this. I saw, I saw this movie as a kid, it freaked me out, you know what I mean? Obviously it was, he was parched and then some, you know, and he finally gets there. And instead of drinking from that beautiful, fresh, clear fountain, the real deal... Imagine if he then turned around, got his camp spade out and started to try and dig in the dirt, dig in the rock to create a system that one day may rain and one day may get some water in it. Like, wouldn't that be crazy? But you know what? This is exactly what the people of Judah were doing. And it's exactly the sort of thing that we can do um, in, in effect in our lives when we make attempts uh, to get involved with schemes that are designed all how to do life without God. We're just making an empty, cracked system that's no good. God himself wants to be the chief person to satisfy our thirst, even more than our mum or our dad or our husband or our wife or our career, our wealth, our car, whatever it is, your boat, whatever it is, God actually wants to be the number one supplier of living water in your life. And you know, you could excuse the nearby nations, the heathens as they were called, for making this mistake because they were ignorant. But at least they were loyal to their lifeless gods. Imagine the people of God who had the real deal, who knew him and knowingly went the other way and tried, oh, let's try a bit of this, let's try a bit of that. Not good. Anyway, so we know that the broken sister message um, you guys can start to come up soon because I do need to wrap this up. Um, it's not just something we can point the finger at for the people of Judah or those dumb Israelites, whatever, because we all know that we know people and perhaps we know ourselves at times where we've actually become complacent about drinking from the living water. We've actually drifted away and got into constructing some of our own things that aren't cutting it. You know, so, you know, what about our priorities? Like, for example, during the week with what we read. Nothing wrong with reading a good book or magazine. In fact, the Women's Weekly this week, is it this month? It's a Women's Weekly that comes out once a month. That's correct, isn't it? Gotcha. Well, it has a fantastic article um, written by Shanna Wan. Great. Read that. 
buy one for the doctor's surgery or whatever, give it to a friend. But you know what? <laughs> if all we're reading is magazines and, look, you know, there's only so many royal pictures you can really look at of the hairdressers, you know. And if all we're listening to is um, podcasts that are interesting but not based on the word, or if all we do is all day surf the internet or social media, we're really digging a crack system. Because it's not that at some point it's going to stop working and not hold any water. Really, it's cracked from the beginning when we actually have the real thing, the fountain of living water that we can drink from any time. We've just been the same boat as the people of Judah. And so, you know, recreation and entertainment, nothing wrong with that. Relax, watch a good series, but don't substitute these things um, and replace them rather than uh, seeking God's presence. And, you know, let's not ever look to satisfaction for those things. They're great tools to use, but our satisfaction can only come from Him. We need to dig deep. We need to dig well and make sure that that reservoir that the Holy Spirit taps, uh, tops up in our life is continually refreshed by Him. So some closing remarks to tie all this together. Ask yourself is examine yourself this morning. I'm, I'm going to as well. Am I being replenished by the fountain of life or am I wasting my energies on making cracked systems? Am I running on fuel or fumes? I had to move Ella's car this morning and the ding, ding, she always drives it. Mum, there's another 80 kilometres in that, right? Well, we've had to go and rescue on the side of the road a couple of times. Do you really want to <laughs> drive on fumes? or on fuel, your call. You can be fueled by your God-given destiny or you can be exhausted by selfish ambition. You can be fueled by the Holy Spirit or exhausted by depending on your own energy or strength. You can be fueled by God's presence or exhausted by trying to take control. In Exodus, Moses, another smart guy in the Bible, he's worked it out. He says in 33 verse 15, If your presence does not go with us, Lord, do not send us up from here. He grasped that it was God's presence that fueled him and that spending time with God was the best thing that he could do to actually fulfill his potential and destiny. He knew that nothing beats the presence of God. There are no substitutes and the same is true for you and I. So stand with this, me this morning, church. Stand up. We're going to actually finish with some more time in his presence. The team have prepared another song. But then at the end of that, guys, I'd love you to go back into Ain't No Grave because some people that came in late missed it. Is that all right? All right. Let's finish with some time in, in his presence furthermore. The splendor of the King Clothed in majesty Let all the earth Rejoice, let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide. Trembles at his voice, trembles at his voice. How great is our God! Sing with me how great is our God.